Welcome to the inaugural edition of The Universe in a Glass, the podcast where we share the stories behind our favorite drinks, where we consider uh, what they say about those who love them and what they reveal about the world we inhabit. Uh, I am your host, Bill Jensen. I am uh, the beverage maven and owner of Tail Up Goat and Revelers Hour. Incidentally, uh, we are recording across the street from Revelers Hour at the historic Line Hotel and uh, honored to be here uh, today with one Matthew Ramsey. Uh, Matthew Ramsey is a true Renaissance man, uh, former podcaster uh, for the sake of uh, the dearly departed Shift Drink, um, a published cookbook author for the sake of the seminal uh, food porn volume, Porn Burger, a uh, graphic designer, a photographer, um, you know, truly one of the most creative people uh, that I know, and a man who could tell me almost any story uh, about his life um, with full credibility. I feel like I would, I would believe <laughs> almost anything uh, uh, you told me um, uh, about your past, sir. Uh, thank you again thank you. for joining L- us. Luckily, Hi. there's no video. Otherwise, you'd see me blushing. I appreciate you. Thank uh, you. Yes, yes. Uh, and a very handsome man at that, oh for God. those of you listening. <laughs> uh, Matthew Ramsey. Um, I'll just kick things off here. Uh, what was your first formative food or drink memory, sir? Oof. Um, so honestly, and this is, uh, I've talked about this only because uh, I did write a cookbook on, on burgers, but uh, the Big Mac was my, my first childhood like formative memory. Um, and it happened when my parents were out of town. My grandma snuck us to McDonald's. She bought me my first Big Mac. Oof. And uh, honestly, I've just been comparing everything to that ever since uh for better or probably for worse no i, I feel like the <laughs> the, uh, the the big mac is a, a good barometer um uh for the sake of, of future burger experiences and that explains a lot uh about the trajectory of your career as a, a cookbook author uh, at the very least uh what were you drinking with that first big mac oh back then it would have been uh, a very very sugary coke um I was probably, I think, six, uh, five or six when I had my first one. I guess I was probably about five. So um, I guess one of the reasons that it kind of became such a core memory was because not only was it amazing, and I was instantly hooked, but um, soon thereafter, we moved to Tokyo, where uh, a burger, or Big Mac, uh, as I was used to it, totally flipped on its head. So um, that kind of dispersed, like, oh, so... This is the uh, pop, the, the pop fiction moment. What do they call a Big Mac yeah, in Tokyo? I, yeah, you know, I don't even remember, but I just remember there being pineapples on their cheeseburgers. Okay. And, I, and that was just like, that, that came standard. And it just, it, it blew my mind. It was just like, it was a black swan. It changed everything for me. Uh, this is a, a great Matthew Ramsey moment because I didn't even realize that Ramsey lived in no. Tokyo. <laughs> uh, but of course, it doesn't surprise me knowing the man. Um, uh, uh, Ramsey, it's a very evocative uh, first memory uh, with food. Uh, when did you realize you wanted to make a career out of that passion? Um, so that happened a lot later. Um, I had gone to college. I had already worked in the industry a little bit, um, but I was basically a filmmaker at National Geographic. Um, I had been kind of working my way up through the ranks there, um, and I was basically an animator, producer, shooter, um, and there was this very weird opportunity to do something good and then also to kind of have an adventure simultaneously, and I signed up. Um, and it was basically this 
Uh, 10 days of walking, it was called a slog. Uh, 10 days of walking without food for 200 miles. Um, and we had a tea it's bag. It's like a, like a vision quest. It kind of was. And that's, that's kind of honestly why I was taking it on because I was just at a point in my life where I was like, I want to just kind of step out of my life and um, ended up stepping into this thing that was um, in, incredible. It was a totally unique experience. And I was literally starving and had this kind of manic must write this recipe down that I'm having. And I just, like, I took, I borrowed, in quotes, uh, my friend's, like, you know, a little notebook that he had brought along on the trip to write his own private thoughts on. And I kind of just hijacked it and started writing recipes the whole time, uh, all 10 days. And I was kind of the annoying guy. I'd be like, well, what if we, you know, talking about food when everybody else is also starving. <laughs> um, and so when I got back, I quit my job. And I ended up... Without a safety net. Without a safety net. Yeah, my safety net was moving to an even more expensive city, San Francisco, and going to culinary school out there. Um, so that's kind of, I was about 27. That's amazing. That happened. And the rest is history. And the rest is kind of history. Um, uh, so for uh, those of you uh, who are new to the pod, which is everyone at this point for the sake of our inaugural episode, <laughs> uh, the format is simple. Um, uh, our guest, uh, in this case, Mr. Matthew Ramsey, uh, picks a, a drink. Um, to share with us, and uh, based on his choice, uh, we share something uh, with our guest, and uh, that brings us to uh, the the task at hand, uh, Matthew. So this uh, this uh, is what a daunting you, task. Yeah, I don't think you realize how intimidating. Oh, it is intimidating. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, for those of you, not, uh, no one can see this, obviously, but uh, I am wearing a, a sweaty at this point <laughs> uh, modified uh, baseball uh, tee. So, um, but uh, I, I am. Um, uh, you know the drinks guy, so I can I can appreciate that. Having having worked under Bill and learned from Bill for the last what three or four years now, it's which is crazy. Yeah, there's a there's a lot. Um, also, I kind of I kind of live in a wine desert. It's like southeast my area. There's not, there are a couple of good wine shops, but um, for the stuff that I tend to enjoy, there's not as much of a market out there. Well, so. I, was, I was hugely thrilled uh, by your choice, sir, especially for the sake of our uh, inaugural uh, pod. Uh, what did you pick? So I uh, was having a real hard time thinking about what wine I felt like would represent me. And then I uh, was basically slapped in the face with this Bandara. Uh, Bandara is a vermouth from Barcelona. Um, we had featured it at the restaurant before. It's one of my favorites. Um, there's like 50 plus botanicals and herbs in there. It's sweeter. It is like a, it's a red uh, vermouth, um, light. And then I like that you can have this like green olive hanging out in there, which is like briny and kind of fights some of that herbaceousness in a really cool way. Um, so that was, that was my pick. Uh, and I like these kind of zig where others zag for the sake of, you know, an aromatized wine, you know, something, mm -hmm. something a little different, something, you know, uh, with, you know, kind of a, a different edge to it. Um, how often do you drink vermouth at home? Um, not super regular. I'm, I'm kind of getting more and more back into it again. Um, the other reason I chose this, Bill, and this is, I think, unbeknownst to you, was that uh, even before I started working with you, you inspired a lot of different projects uh, that you had, you had no idea about. So um, I went to... Uh, was it the uh, Flaming Cheetos infused <laughs> vodka? <laughs> no. no, but I had I'd gone to one of your previous restaurants where you opened up with vermouth. Uh, and I didn't know you then, but I was just kind of getting into vermouth at that point in time. And I was doing my own um, pop-up out of my house called Bar R. 
Um, and it was just such a game changer for me. It was Petal and Thorn. Oh, yeah, uh, from the folks at Imbue out of Oregon. Yeah, yeah. and Imbue was like, it was a total game changer for me. Um, and so I started serving vermouth as my opening um, for my pop-up. And then oh, that's awesome. Eventually, I ended up making my own horrible muscadine wine. Oh, nice. Which I then... Uh, Aromatized. In, yeah, then turned into a, a vermouth, and I gave you some. Um, and now, for those of you who don't know Bill Jensen, Bill Jensen, when you give him gifts, he's the kind of guy that is so selfless that he would actually, if he likes it, he gives it away, which seems counterintuitive, but uh, I was walking, I'd be like walking around the restaurant, and people were like, Matt, I love your vermouth. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? That does, that does sound like me. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, we, but, believe, yeah. We, we, we truly believe in the, like the lovably old-fashioned Greek style of hospitality where, you know, if we're excited about something, we, we want to share it. And um, all the more so when, you know, someone that, uh, you know, we love is, is, is the creator uh, for the sake <laughs> of the vermouth. So uh, this is where I dish on vermouth a little bit. So uh, the, the product that you chose, Ramsey, uh, uh, is from an old winemaking family. Uh, uh, their estate dates back to the 19th century in Catalonia. Uh, their tagline, homage to the nostalgic golden age of vermouth. Uh, that's a good, that's what, good. What was the golden age? Good coffee. I wanna, well, I so this is, this is fascinating. So um, uh, there's this moment in, and this is where, you know, the, the whole idea behind this pod is to, you know, get at all the other stuff that comes with you know, what is in the glass. And so uh, for the sake of the golden age of, of vermouth, I think uh, that's like Republican Spain for a lot of people <laughs> in Barcelona. So um, uh, El Vendara has a really cool bottle. Um, uh, uh, Ramsey, what, uh, yeah. how, as, a, as a designer, how would you describe the sensibility? Uh, I mean, it's fun. Um, I think I read somewhere that it's basically reminiscent of like when they would write uh, the tapas, like in bright colors on the windows or like pinchos, or probably tapas, I guess, because it's from Barcelona, but... Um, but yeah, uh, so it's, it's just fun. It's, it's, it's colorful. It's got your primary colors. Um, I don't know. I just, yeah, the pack, the packaging is slick. Um, so this is the, uh, Vergili, it likes to be Vergili, uh, um, and apologies for any mispronunciations from, uh, uh, henceforth. Uh, this is, um, and their uh, recreation of a, a historic style. So they've been making wine since the 19th century. They launched this brand um, as a slick kind of next generation vermouth in, in 2014. And uh, this golden era speaks to this moment when Catalonia was uh, essentially an independent state within Spain okay. um, in the Republican era. Um, and uh, it was all too brief. So, you know, it's kind of like Weimar era Germany. Um, and it was this like, um, you know, time of artistic and cultural exploration and opening up and uh, a rediscovery of native Catalan identity. And it was followed by the Spanish Civil War, which is pretty bleak, uh, and Franco's dictatorship, which was, you know, bleaker um, if you were, um, you know, a, a Catalan nationalist. And so um, after, uh, you know, Franco left office, um, you know, you see people kind of looking back to the Republican era. Uh, for these, you know, signifiers of Catalan identity, and, and in um, Catalonia, particularly in Barcelona, uh, vermouth is one of those. So, if you've ever been to Barcelona, um, you know, really the place to go is the the Bargatik, which is the old um, the old city uh, surrounding the cathedral. And um, if you hit it at um, you know the right time of day at happy hour, you will. Um, the Ora de Vermouth. Yes, very good. So yeah, this, this is the Ora de Vermouth. And, and uh, there are a lot of different ways. So like anytime that 
I love it when people kind of turn a uh, noun into a verb. So you can ferro un vermouth, so you can kind of like perform vermouth. Uh, they call the um, walk from one vermouth bar to another the vermouteo. Um, yeah, so, so like uh, fun, fun vermouth vocabulary. That, that, there's an IG uh, screen name in there somewhere. Vermouteo, yeah, 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 the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, vermouth, <laughs> the vermouth walk. But uh, it's, it's like a classier part, like pub crawl. Um, uh, and, you know, it, it's, it's funny to me for the, the sake of vermouth because, um, you know, in as much they're packaging this, this drink that um, is a part of this... Um, culture of just kind of slowing down and enjoying, you know, small little bites and, um, you know, this aromatized, incredibly complex wine, um, you know, they're equally, you know, kind of packaging a lifestyle. And I think that's something that uh, Bandata does really effectively. I, I totally, totally agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and um, you know, so they're appealing to, you know, people of any generation, but I think particularly to our generation who, you know, want to capture a little bit of that Barcelona magic. Would you say we're in the the neo-golden age of uh, vermouth? I think think we very much are, uh, Mr. Matthew Ramsey, because, you know, you, um, you know, have people increasingly reaching for, you know, these dynamic um, uh, wines that belong to this different genre um, that are lower ABV and, and just looking for different ways to enjoy them. So first and foremost, we should say that, you know, um, you know, this is, uh, a pure product. We're not enjoying this in a cocktail. Um, how did you pour out the uh, oh, vermouth, Ramsey? Great question. So I personally, I like it uh, unadulterated on a big ice cube with uh, orange and a green olive. Uh, yeah, Ramsey went next level and uh, brought a beautiful dehydrated orange. And uh, I will say that's courtesy of the Line Hotel. I did not. Have oh, the, wow! They did. I, I did not have the wherewithal. <laughs> do, they, yeah. do they know that you pilfered? Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. I know uh, somebody. Uh, right. Thank you, thank you to the Line Hotel for yeah. that. Um, but, uh, you know, that is to say that we're just enjoying the vermouth itself. And, um, you know, one of my, uh, you know, mentors, cocktail mentors in the game, um, uh, Kat Bangs, used to say that vermouth is a self-contained cocktail. Um, so, you know, all the things that a cocktail gives you for the sake of, you know, uh, sweet uh, and bitter and herbal um, are contained within this very drink itself. And, um, you know, you can think of that as a novelty, but it really belongs, um, you know, to the history of wine. So, um, you know, wine, as long as it's been consumed, um, regardless of its origin, has almost always been aromatized. And um, whatever ancient people were fermenting, they were adding botanicals to it. Uh, and so aromatized wine, uh, basically wine with, you know, all sorts of other um, herbs and spices added to it, developed independently from China to Persia to Egypt to the rest of the Mediterranean. And, um, you know, it had a medical uh, function uh, for a lot of people for yeah. the sake of stimulating digestion or, you know, being a panacea for a variety of other ailments. Um, uh, but it had a religious function, and uh, the botanicals uh, played into that. Um, Hippocrates, Hippocrates, uh, the ancient Greek father of medicine, is equally credited uh, with the first recipe. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel like all my favorite beverages are, uh, were at one point medicinal. Well, a lot of them, a lot of them, yeah, I think, I think a lot of them were, and um, I think it speaks to this, you know, way in which they were traditional or they were religious, Ramsey, and, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, I think, you know, one of our great gifts as a species is to confuse the sacred and the profane, yeah. to confuse, like, you know, something that's medical with something that's, you know, just recreational. Can- um, cannabis. Yes, it's, it's, a great, it's a great example, or, or people, people now are coming back to the... Um, Mushrooms and Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly, and, 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 you know, talking about all the legitimate medical 
um, you know, and uh, neurological benefits that those things that those things have. So, um, you know, vermouth comes to us out of that out of that same tradition. Um, what's most remarkable to me about it, though, is the way it, um, you know, really brings together uh, all of these different um, natural products. So. Um, Typically, historically, you know, you would use whatever herbs and spices were around you. But by the Greek era, the Greeks were trading widely enough that they were throwing, you know, crazy, you know, resins um, and other spices. And, you know, uh, the, the, the Silk Road, you know, uh, reached into the Orient by the latter days of, you know, um, the ancient Greek era. So, you know, they were bringing in exotic spices. Would, you know? would Retsina count as an aromatized wine? Uh, it very much would, uh, Matthew Ramsey. So for the uninitiated, uh, Retsina is a wine that has uh, pine resin uh, added to it and just kind of belongs to the same family. Now, um, the pivot here was distillation. So um, uh, distillation gives you basically a better way to extract the essence of right. all of these different botanicals that you're, you're bringing to the party. Um, distillation, uh, you know, for the sake of a modern audience, invented in, um, it had been done, you know, on kind of, um, less um, expert uh, scales for a long time, but uh, the alambic still was invented by an Arabic uh, uh, or an Arab alchemist in uh, the eighth century. Uh, it took a while for um, distillates to come to Europe. Um, so fifteen fifteen hundred. What does alambic still consist an of? Alambic still is the pot still okay. um, that you see on all the bourbon bottles. It okay. is, um, you know, basically a. Uh, a giant pot that allows you to boil an already alcoholic um, uh, uh, um, kind of product, and it, is, it uh, traps the vapors, mm. uh, which then uh, further concentrate uh, the essence of uh, the spirit itself, which is why um, a lot of uh, distillation started um, uh, as alchemy. You know, they were, uh. they, were, they were worried about, you know, kind of um, essences yeah. of things, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it became hugely popular in medieval Europe for capturing the essence. The word essence even too like goes back to the whole like spirit of the spirit, you know, like yeah, it's yeah. The, the soul of. You Absolutely. Know? Which Absolutely. I think is super and, cool. and, and, you know, so uh, early spirits were aqua vitae, living water or the right. fifth element. And uh, so um, the botanicals that people were formerly infusing directly into wine, they then um, uh, were um, essentially macerating in spirits. And, and, and uh, this, you know, um, pure form of alcohol um, extracted the essence of all these botanicals. And um, originally, um, they did that mostly for the rich, but as spice routes developed, as uh, people started sending ships around the world to collect spices instead of caravans, they became widely available. And um, uh, there's this magical moment for the sake of the history of vermouth uh, that uh, comes to us in the late 17th century, or late 18th century, rather, and uh, 1786 is really the moment that uh, vermouth becomes a modern product through the aegis of Antonio Benedetto Carpano. Does that okay. name sound familiar? Yeah, Carpano. Yeah, so Carpano Antica, still sold to this very day. That's amazing. Um, uh, he sees these, uh, he takes a cue from uh, the European nobility who formerly enjoyed um, wines like Hippocris, uh, named after um, the father of medicine, and he says, I want to democratize this. Uh, but he does so um, with 30 different botanicals. So he okay. has this amazing pantry, and he has you know things from you know, the furthest from corners of the world. So he's local 
botanicals, but he equally has um, you know, things like chinchona, which is a, a bittering agent from uh, South America. You know, he has vanilla. Um, you know, he has cinnamon. Um, you know, he has ginger. He has mace. He has all these nutmeg. He has all these things that previously would have been out of his economic reach that now he can distill um, into a beverage. And he creates Carpano Annica. Um, it's so popular that um, his cafe um, uh, operates around the clock. Um, just selling vermouth, and uh, he launches, or he inspires all sorts of other imitators, Cinzano, okay. um, uh, et cetera. All the names we know today um, uh, evolved after this kind of original branding moment. Now, uh, the traditional Italian vermouth tastes a lot like the Bandara that okay. we're drinking. Right. Um, historically darker and sweet. What's kind of ironic, though, is uh, this comes from white grapes. Um, right. Uh, it, all, all vermouth is basically white until it's not. Yeah, typically, so, yeah, so typically even darker vermouths, even darker what's called Italian-style vermouths, which are sweeter, uh, typically begin their life um, as white wine. Yeah. Um, historically, there were more aromatic white wines, like Muscat. This one comes from Garnacha Blanca and Chirillo, which are kind of native um, Spanish. Spanish-style uh, vermouths were also very inspired by the Italian style. They right? were. So uh, basically, the style that Carpano um, you know, kind of enshrined um, made its way to uh, Barcelona and Catalonia and and the Spanish developed their own style, and, and the Spanish style, um, you know, kind of uh, defined, you know, to the extent that it differs from the Italian style by a little less aggressively bitter. Um, so maybe fewer of those bittering agents for the sake of chinchona or gentian or uh, um, uh, the uh, vermouth namesake wormwood, um, and uh, you know, a little more of that pure Venice, you know, wine character. And then very often these are products for the sake of Spain that would be aged in oak. Um, thereafter. And well, isn't that the thing? Like in, and I've never actually been to Barcelona. So no, fire away. I'm, I'm kind of just making things up. But um, from my understanding, is that like very often you're just get, you're getting vermouth from a barrel. Yeah, you know that that's a style. Yeah, um, yeah and and you know the the bottle um, for the sake of these commercial products when it comes to wine is a relatively recent innovation, and and that's not only for vermouth. You know right. that's for pretty much all wine. You know bottled wine is a creature of the 19th century. Um, you know and. You know, the way we um, think about vintage wine uh, is an outgrowth of that. Um, you know, historically, it would have been a cask um, of wine or vermouth in this case um, that, you know, a bartender, you know, opened for us, um, threw an olive in, and that we, you know, subsequently enjoyed. To go back to the packaging of this bottle, though, the other thing I do love about that bottle is that it does actually come with its own resealable top. Yeah, that, is, that, is, that, is, that is sexy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Bandara bottle is bottled with a, a bottle cap, uh, which you pop. Uh, and then it has the, you know, rubberized uh, stopper that you can throw on there. I very much use my own fermentation projects at home. And yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, just, no, that's I, just considerate. I think it's cool. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. No, uh, Matthew Ramsey, uh, uh, for the sake of uh, enjoying this with, with food, um, you know, I feel like this would be a good adult stand-in with a burger for your, oh, for your Coca-Cola kind of Big Mac uh, experience. Absolutely. So, I mean... Just by the nature that, it, you know, they do suggest drinking it with a green olive, it, like, it suggests that it has, like, a savory, salty, briny quality that can, like, play off the kind of, like, the fruitier, herbaceous notes. I think it'd be a slam dunk. Um, yeah, no, I love it. I mean, anchovies, butter, bread, cheeses, all those things would just go so lovely with this. Yeah, and I mean it's it's a it's a yeah it's a loud wine, um, and it is unapologetically sweet, but you know it's certainly balanced. Um, it's got bitter notes. It's yeah, got, yeah, yeah. And I think the fact that there's so much going on here, you know, sometimes um, for the sake of uh, a wine or a drink, 
you know, if you have something that's exceeding, exceedingly complex, it can, you know, actually be more difficult to pair with because it's just taking over the party. But uh, I think this is an example of something that's dynamic and interesting, but is this really good dance partner, uh, nonetheless? I think, honestly, it, I think it has that, that cool je ne sais quoi that would kind of keep you coming back for more. Yeah. Hence, I'm on my second and a half class. Yeah, there you go. The podcast will only get more interesting now. Uh, um, so equally, you know, uh, um, you knowing a little more about this, um, knowing a little more about the history of, of vermouth and Spanish vermouth, you know, uh, I, I want to, you know, kind of uh, dive a little deeper, you know, the psychology of the choice itself. And, oh, shit. Uh, it, it appealed to me uh, that you, uh, Matthew Ramsey, you know, picked this particular beverage because, you know, I feel like your career has just, you know, has been just as multifaceted as, <laughs> as this aromatized, um, fortified wine. How did you go from Nat Geo uh, to culinary school to then um, uh, uh, Pornberger, um, the cookbook, which is still on your shelves, um, and, uh, you know, podcaster? Uh, there's no fun in a straight path, I find. Uh, so when I was out in California, uh, I, I pretty much... I worked with, um, I did a, a stint with the Chronicle, the San Francisco Chronicle, because back then I was coming from film production. I wasn't, I definitely didn't want to open a restaurant. No offense to Bill. No, that's a wise decision. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, uh, and like, uh, I, if just, you're, I just knew that wasn't my, why I was If you're listening and considering food. opening a restaurant, don't. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I was working in restaurants simultaneously because it's San Francisco and you can't just have one job. Um, uh, no, I, you can't. You can't afford to live in anything no, but a studio apartment no, and have, no, no. have just one job. Uh, yes. But I was I was doing that for about three plus years, um, and then I had the opportunity to come back to DC, which is very much kind of my 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 hub, my my place of power. But you uh, are uh, you identify as kind of a, a Texan originally, or so I moved around a lot growing up. Um, so every year or two, we were in a new place. Um, some overseas, some some uh, New England, uh, a lot of Midwest, a lot of Michigan. Um, and then Texas is where my family's from. We have a, um, a ranch down there. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Been in the family um, for a while. That, that uh, explains some of your fashion choices. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you regularly go back He's to... referring to the bandana that I'm currently wearing. <laughs> uh, you so, wear it well? Thank you. Uh, so the ranch has always, kind of always been our home base. Um, it's very much the lifestyle I kind of grew up with, riding horses and being able to walk around in these you know, giant wide open spaces. Um, when I came back to DC, uh, I was working with Living Social, which was a, a huge thing that kind of uh, was a part of the DC like tech resurgence and getting into that place. I was running a blog, uh, left Living Social, started a production company, and I was just so burnt out on you know the 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 freelancer shuffle, um, and so I was like to kind of appease that. I wasn't I was creating, but I wasn't creating content that I was personally enjoying. It was all for clients, so. Um, I was like, once a week, I'm going to make this project called Pornburger. It's going to be a blog that, you know, my mom and some friends look at, and then it turned into something different. Um, Pornburger. Um, uh, uh, a, what is a Pornburger? Um, B, uh, what do you uh, have to say for people who want to go online right now and visit <laughs> Pornburger.com? Pornburger.com is a, I think, still a porn site. Uh, my <laughs> not, a, not a burger site. <laughs> not a burger site. Uh, my parents have made that mistake before. Um, it is it used to be pornburger.me because pornburger.com has always been taken. Um, .me uh, is no longer with us. It was 
Oh. Very much, uh, I, it's kind of looking at as a mandala, like uh, something that could be made and then destroyed. Oh, um, I like that. The, the point wasn't to have it archived on the internet forever. It was to kind of just further my own, my own needs. Um, but like, at the like end of the a, day, it isn't Like a, book, a Taoist, so. you know, kind of like <laughs> sand guard, zen, 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 but with, but with slutty burgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So porn burgers, but yeah, exactly. It's basically burgers kind of exploded and, and, and kind of recreated with, um, you know, different ingredients that you wouldn't usually see in the context of a burger. Uh, what uh, distinguishes a porn burger from a Big Mac? Oh, great question. Uh, intent. Uh, <laughs> Um, Obviously, sex appeal. Sex appeal. It's funny because, like, having uh, written a whole bur- uh, book on burger burgers, uh, I don't know. That was like a part of the exploration to kind of get to the root of what makes a burger a burger. Honestly, uh, I was like, oh, how, how many pieces can I remove and change and still have it be a burger? Asking, asking the true kind of uh, existential question. If I were, about. if I were to make a burger today at a restaurant of my own. Um, I would probably simplify it because I feel like sometimes there's power in editing and, and sometimes less is more, but um, I don't know if that's But I don't think, question. I don't think, <laughs> well, no, that, that absolutely does, but I don't think, I don't think porn burger is about a less is more aesthetic. No, no, no. Porn burger it was, was, was strictly just a bit about a sensory, sensory indulgence. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I dig that. Um, uh, for the sake of, let's, let's reverse engineer this. For the okay. sake of the Bandara, like which porn burger would you want to enjoy oh. with, the, with the Bandara? Interesting. Um, hmm. Let me think about that. There's a, there's a, few, there's a, there's a few porn burgers to flip through here. Let me, come, let me come back to that Yeah, one. Matthew Ramsey was unprepared for that question. Was, that was, yeah, uh, yeah that was, uh, I, I apologize. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, fl- I'm flipping through the pages in my head right no, now. No, no, no. We, we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back to that one. Uh, that's actually a good segue because we have another um, vermouth to try here. Yes. So, um, this would be um, kind of my contribution uh, to uh, the dialogue here. And uh, the one I chose is called Prirat Nature. How would you, you know, differentiate the, uh, the packaging here, Ramsey? Um, uh, more elegant, I'd say. It's, it's more grown up wanting to look. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a little, it's a little more grown, and I think that uh, you know, uh, you know, follows suit for the sake of uh, the intent and the origin. So uh, this is equally Catalan. Um, so this is uh, from Priorat. Priorat. Uh, it's famous for its dense, inky uh, reds, um, and this kind of embraces a different uh, style physics. So it's a little drier. Um, this is uh, uh, very much a, kind of a white vermouth. So um, you you consider this white, but color wise, it's 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 very it's like it's. Obviously not a red. It's, Amber. it's caramel. Yeah. Amber. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and ironically, actually, I do think uh, some of the um, the grapes or some of the wines these times on the skin. So this is like oh, a, interesting. A bit of uh, very Bill Jensen. Like a very a, yeah, a little like a little hipster. So I don't I don't have the tattoos for it. Ramsey does, <laughs> but you know we have those hipster some orange wine sensibilities, and I think this uh, this uh, embrace a little bit of, a bit of that uh, at the very least. Um, it is made in the Solera system, so they add younger vermouth to older vermouth, and they're kind of like constantly topping off. Um, it ages for a minimum of two years in oak uh, before it's released. Uh, local grapes here as well, Carnacha Blanca, Macabeu, and uh, Pedro Jimenez, which is a, a famously a, a sherry product. But yeah. um, this is kind of a different side of the like um, lifestyle branding. So we have like... Um, you know, El Bandara leaning into this I want to be in uh, Barcelona style. This is uh, more of that, like, organic farm, you know, kind of uh, um, 
creature of the land mm -hmm. branding. So uh, for the sake of this particular vermouth, um, uh, the creators of Yobuil and Ana Quadrat, very good Catalan names, um, uh, they launched like a, a polycultural farm 1997 and they, they sell a whole bunch of stuff. So um, they sell this vermouth, um, which is how I know them, but they sell like everything, like olive oil, like other prepared consumables, like, you know, uh, their website's full of stuff. Like, and it's actually, to the extent that it's kind of hard to find information about uh, the vermouth through their site just because they're hawking all this other stuff. Um, but, you know, that appeals to me because, um, you know, I'm, I'm fond of, of calling wine an agricultural product, but, you know, equally I like this idea of um, a farmer, you know, taking a wine but making it this kind of fuller, you know, um, multifaceted expression of what they grow. Um, so, you know, you have things like, you know, fennel, rosemary, cumin that they, they could, you know, uh, grow themselves, and then other things like cinnamon and vanilla um, that, you know, obviously uh, do not, um, are not cultivatable um, in, in Catalonia, to the best of my, to the best of my knowledge. Um, but uh, I, I like that this one is, is a bit of a foil. Um, you know, how would you compare it to the Bendara, Ramsey? Uh, so coincidentally enough, this is when I was talking about serving vermouth at uh, Bar R, this is the very first vermouth that I served. Oh, wow. Uh, I did not. I was not aware of that. Uh, yeah. So I, I was very happy to see that uh, when you brought it. Um, so I served this with a, what did I serve it with? It was a quail egg prosciutto ravioli, essentially. The, ra the ravioli was made out of the prosciutto. Um, and so you had like that saltiness and the orange and the, I love it's, that. it's very, it's very citrus forward. You definitely get some of those bitter notes. Um, it's very light on the palate. Did you do like a, uh, um, just kind of like a sunny side up on the quail egg? What was the, uh, uh quail, uh, they, so it's basically just the yolk was the, was the ravioli oh, and then, um, just so raw. And then the, 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 the prosciutto basically made the ravioli itself. Super cool. So yeah. So yeah, it was salty, like creamy and yeah. You had to separate the quail egg yolks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, that sounds tedious. Yeah. The smaller the egg, the harder it gets. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to, to my mind, this is, you know, maybe, um, I, I don't know, it has this lovely, like, uh, bright, briny nuttiness to it mm -hmm. that's, that's very, very different so. um, than the Pandara, uh, which, you know, to me, uh, makes it feel like a really um, great fit for, like, something like prosciutto and something like, you know, um, egg yolks, which are kind of a notorious sommelier bugaboo yeah. for the sake of pair, <laughs> um, uh, just because they, they're, they're weighty, um, and they, they kind of, like coat the mouth in this way that, you know, uh, can be difficult to pair with. But, you know, vermouth equally does that um, for the sake of its sweetness. I, I, think, I think it's cool. When you, when you talk about vermouth, it reminds me kind of how I imagine winemaking being. And we get, see, we get used to, like, you know, knowing a brand and how a certain wine is supposed to taste. But it does change season to season, year to year, based on the batch. And this is Solar, so you're getting previous years in there. But you're playing jazz, you know. It's, you're doing the most you can with what you get. Uh, and to be able to come out of it with this balanced, you know, cocktail where you're balancing all these different elements and botanicals, I think it's it's always really cool to me. I don't know, I find that really inspiring. Yeah, and I think it's really fun. You're you're riffing. Yeah. Um, and you know, with with these, I, I dig it because you know it, it feels a little less scientific. You know, there are people making vermouth um, that will just like. You know, they'll make individual tinctures yeah. for the sake of everything that right. they're, they're like, and, and they'll, you know, 
kind of discern the like optimal extraction time for a particular set of flavors and a particular botanical and stuff like that, um, which good on you. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I can tell you that both Matthew Ramsey and I are not built that way. No, and so no. um, I think both of these uh, are more in line with the, you know, throw a bunch of delicious stuff uh, at, at wine yeah. and maybe keep adding until it all, hence it my, all coheres. Hence my shitty muscadine wine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but I, I think that the fun of that is it is, it is jazz-like. And, you know, um, they've gotten to a point where they're creating a consistent product and, you know, um, maintaining a Solera system allows you to ensure some of that consistency. But, um, you know, I, I equally, you know, like to imagine when they were developing these recipes, just kind of riffing. Um, and you know, free associating and saying this needs a little more X or Y. Because at the end of the day, like the, the the bottle they choose, the flavor they choose is the best representation of you know themselves and what they want to put out there, uh, and that just gets carried through for you know as forever. Yeah, and I th- it feels more it feels more joyous to me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know the whatever the merits of you know making individual tinctures, it just feels like really analytical mm-hmm. um, and. You know, for the sake of winemaking, you know, I, I want like an analytical pastry chef. You know, I feel like that's a place where, you know, in the kitchen, you know, you need that temperament. But, you know, for the sake of my winemaker, I, I want I want some I want like a and, and I want Charlie Parker. I want somebody just. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, and also, it's just like it's it's like it's like a, it's like a, a day drinking Amaro. Right. Like it's, I, it's, I love it's the, I love that. The yeah. Night day of Amaro is like you get. The, the bitter, sweet, syrupy uh, at night after the meal, and then like before the meal, you want you know you want something to kind of uh, percolate. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, it's a way to ease in. You know, um, uh, you know, I I love the word aperitif. You know, comes from you know French word for opening. And um, you know, these are like the ultimate aperitifs to me. And I, I lament the fact that co- cocktail culture you know, just got obsessed with this idea of vermouth as a vice. Right. You know, I blame, I don't know, I blame Hemingway and Churchill, but, uh, you know, historically, you know, for the sake of the original recipes of Manhattan and Martini, they were vermouth heavy. Right. Um, right. And, you know... And I think should still be, all you bartenders saying, do you want vermouth in your martini? Just, it's standard. Yeah, I get, I get worked up about this for the sake of the very dry... I, you know, martini. I hate that question. Well, not people like dry vodka martini. It's fine, but we're still going to put vermouth in it. If yeah. you want a socially acceptable excuse to drink chilled vodka, just ask for chilled vodka. Chilled vodka. Yeah, that's not that's not a martini. Not a martini. Yeah, um, that's it's okay. We'll, put, <laughs> we'll still put an olive. I'm in glad it. we covered this. I'm glad. We I know. This. We'll still we'll still put an olive in it for you. But um, a martini is a beautiful cocktail that necessarily leans on vermouth to soften some of the rough edges of. Should be gin. Um, Do you uh, know what the first cocktail was to incorporate vermouth into? Um, uh, to the best of my knowledge, for the sake of my research, it was the vermouth cocktail. Okay. Um, uh, so um, there are a lot of early cocktail books. People love to kind of fetishize, but mm. they're like early recipe books. They're pretty boring. Just kind of a list of ingredients. Um, yeah. uh, they don't suss out a lot. Um, and for the sake of uh, the quote-unquote vermouth cocktails, it just basically involves uh, vermouth base with a bunch of different either um, bitters additions, the occasional absinthe addition, the occasional maraschino addition, um, uh, and then, you know, um, you know, typically stirred, um, you know, uh, little up, yeah, up with, 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 you know, uh, you know, expression or, or peel or whatever, um, you know, that, that, to the best of my knowledge, was the first, and, and uh, I'm sure, you know, to the extent that anyone will listen to this and blow up the comment section, I'm sure, you know, the Dave Wondriches of the world and the, the cocktail heads will, will blow that up because that is, 
you know, honestly, an amazing kind of branch of, you know, um, scholarship for the sake of, of people I, that love to drink. I feel like it simultaneously, like, boosted and kind of killed vermouth uh, for a period of time. You know, like, all for growing up, all I thought about vermouth was something that, you know, stayed in the back of the fridge. And if it was even in a fridge, probably wasn't. Mine was definitely in my parents' liquor cabinet. Uh, and it was, just, it was just sad. It was like the island of misfit toys. It was like yeah. that toy that just no one played with. You know, it was like the teddy bear with like one eye that was just like sinister looking. And I agree. And that, that vermouth should not be in your drink. But uh, refrigerated vermouth, yeah. It's, it's yeah, so that, that brings, so um, we opened these uh, today and we're enjoying them today. Um, you know, they should be treated like wines. Uh, they should be stored in a refrigerator, especially once they're opened. Um, and they should be enjoyed for, you know, Month, couple months, um, uh, if you're you're sufficiently patient. Um, Bill, what was your? Do you do you have a, a vermouth moment? What was your? That's an excellent question. I was like a road to Damascus moment for the sake of vermouth. Um, I don't know. I, I wish I could say so. I have been to Barcelona, um, and I wish it could say it was in Barcelona, but I was in college and stupid. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> um, I don't think that you know vermouth grabbed me by the lapels at that point. And, right on. Um, honestly, it, it had to be working at. Um, uh, uh, little Sarah, so uh, and working with uh, um, uh, Cat Bangs, who I, I, I mentioned earlier, and, and Kat, a for, a former former line, uh, yeah, former line employee as well. Yeah, it's all it's all coming full circle. It's, it, it gives you a sense of just how incestuous the Washington D.C. <laughs> restaurant scene is. But Cat um, uh, was a, a, a gifted, um, you know, wine purveyor, but knew a lot about cocktail culture as well, and. Um, uh, when we were opening Little Cerro, uh, which is a, a, an amazing Thai restaurant, um, wanted to feature vermouth to go along with Thai food as a pairing. This is, this is the restaurant I was also referring to earlier. Yeah, yeah. and, and um, you know, it's something, it's not something I certainly that I would have ever thought of, but, um, you know, it makes all the sense in the world for the sake of a drink that's herbal and sweet and dynamic in the same way that, you know, um, you know Thai food is, and we we're featuring on kind of um, Northeastern Thai food, which, you know, uh, leans a little more into lime juice and herbs and stuff like that. And, um, you know, can be, you know, certainly spicier and, and vermouth, um, just, you know, goes with that in this like really awesome synergistic kind of, kind of way that I hadn't experienced or thought of before. And then, you know, just this whole idea of a self-contained cocktail really appealed to me. And then, yeah. um, yeah, it is. A, it's a self-contained cocktail. Yeah, and, and and honestly, it just became something that I wanted to keep around at home. And um, you know, at, at home, I, I'm not someone that will mix a, a drink. You know, um, you know, typically I have the ingredients for a Negroni on yeah. the bar cart, yeah, yeah. and and that's that's about it. Yeah. But my favorite but, cocktail at home is the combo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like honestly, honestly, anything that I can't build in a glass easily, I, I'm not going to have the patience for at home. Right. But um, you know, I will keep a bunch of vermouth around. Um, and you know, that's, that's one of my wife's you know, kind of uh, favorite, you know, why you cook um, ah, right uh, indulgence. And yeah, actually one of my favorite sense. cocktails is this uh, um, kind of inverted uh, martini, a Julia Child's martinis. It said that she enjoyed... Uh, featured uh, at Reveler's Hour. Uh, uh, formerly featured. We, ah, we're not, okay. not currently featuring, but yeah, thank you. Good, good tie in Matthew Ramsey's <laughs> book. Um, uh, uh, just a, a, essentially a, a, a made with dry vermouth, dry vermouth um, uh, being a, a style of drier white vermouth that evolved in France. Is that... That's, is that that's not a, it's what it's a flipped. It's two parts vermouth, one part. Uh, it's more than that. So uh, I think it's closer to like uh, five part vermouth to one part uh, gin. Yeah, uh, p uh, five parts both uh, w uh, um, 
dry vermouth and white vermouth, those are different things. Um, so you get some of the sweetness, get some of the dryness. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and, and then gin, and then uh, just a, a lemon express um, uh, over the, yeah. And uh, the, supposedly this was uh, Julie Child's favorite cocktail um, to drink while she was cooking. And, and you know, it's, it's something that you can just sip on um, that is multifaceted and dynamic and kind of changes in the glass the same way, you know, a lot of after-dinner drinks do, yeah. but it won't get you quite as turned. Yeah. Um, and you, you can kind of like slow play it. In well, and that's way. the thing. I mean, vermouth is considered low ABV, but at the end of the day, it is fortified for the most part, or not always, but like it's fifteen plus usually. Yeah, I mean, ironically, we call it no, <laughs> so that's right. It's we more call than it, a glass of wine, but like no, yeah, exactly. We call it we call it low ABV, but typically it lives somewhere between you know yeah sixteen twenty percent alcohol, which is certainly uh, higher than any wine you should be drinking. Um, right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's highly it slammable, as Bill would say. Yeah, it is highly slammable, but I think it, it derives its, you know, kind of low ABV bona fides from the fact that, you know, typically something, you know, you drink on ice um, and, and typically just something you kind of sip on, mm-hmm. um, you know, and um, it, you know, is, you know, a little, you know, cerebral. I think it like invites a little bit of rumination. Yeah, like, very much uh, so. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things that, invites you to slow down and, and, and puts you at ease in a way that, you know, we all need more of in, in our lives. I agree. Well said. Um, brilliant. It's, it's like slow cooking in a bottle. You, just, you, just, you, got, all, <laughs> yeah. you got all those, like, different yeah. steep yeah. flavors. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And then if you want to, like, you know, ramp up thereafter, you, you, you can. I mean, you can stay in the vermouth lane, um, but, you know, you can equally, you know, dial it up uh, thereafter. Um, uh, Ramsey, uh, you had a podcast after you um, uh, were uh, published cookbook. Sorry, tell yeah. Us, we, tell we, us we, about um, uh, how did Shift Drink come about? Um, Shift Drink, uh, for, for those of you uh, who have been listening to uh, podcasts out of the Line Hotel in D.C., um, Jack Inslee uh, is the guy. He's just the guy. Uh, he has started many podcast projects across the country that have all blown up, but um, he came to D.C. and asked Eddie and I if we wanted to do something together, um, and Eddie and I spent many a drunken night coming up with a name that uh, eventually we did not come up with our own. Our own. It was uh, Andrew Lindbergh, Shift Drink, um, and Shift Drink was just kind of two guys talking about state affairs uh, in the D.C. hostility business, um, and it was just a fun way to kind of share uh, you know, war stories and, 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 and things that we've learned and, and kind of perspective. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I was a guest on, uh, on the ship drink and honored to be so. Um, uh, any favorite moments from your podcasting arc? Um, there was, uh, yes, there was some unexpected, like, guests. I was actually, uh, I've been watching the new Iron Chef. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Uh, no. I highly recommend. It's great. It's definitely. Been I feel like how many new Iron Chefs have there been? <laughs> so though? this is the new news. So they got <laughs> they got rid of all the problematic stuff that might have been in previous uh, episode or previous uh, generations. Um, but you're seeing a lot of that new talent that uh, we actually. I, the whole point of this is a very humble brag. Uh, I, would, I was like, oh, they were on the show? They were on the show? So Kristen, oh, nice. Kristen Kish was you're, on here. You're recognizing yeah, guests so on the... Uh, come on. No, you're, uh, all, yeah. the, all these people that are, like, are, are fighting it on... Uh, Shoot your shot, on, on Chef. No, it was... Uh, but it was, just, it was just like one of those like personal things that like... It was just... It shifted, just kind of happened uh, out of the ether, and I'm very grateful for it, but uh, a lot of like cool things came out. That must feel very validating. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, did you miss it? Um, I do and I don't. Uh, it was a lot. 
Um, but I do. I miss. I miss. Be, I, I miss this. I miss being able to talk about uh, things that I'm passionate about in such detailed, long ways, and kind of seeing, getting other people's perspectives on it. Um, I feel like we're reaching, you know, a um, peak podcast saturation moment where everyone, you know, has a podcast. But do you have advice for prospective podcasters? Um, my advice would just be to uh, be cons- like, just keep doing it. Um, Eddie and I very quickly realized what we didn't know at the very beginning. And then the more we did it, um, you know, the more natural it just felt and the more we got out of it personally. But, um, yeah, just keep doing it. There's going to be weeks where you don't feel like doing it. And, you know, you, you get this in service, too, because service is very much like show business. Where like, there's going to be days where you don't want to perform and greet a tail. And the like, curtain's going to go up anyway. Are you? are you amazing? Because I'm amazing. Um, and podcasting can be the same way. I've gone through breakups and been like, well, I'm going to go on the air now and, you know, yeah. talk about other things yeah. <laughs> that aren't yeah, and you devastating like- my life right now. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's just, um, so just keep doing it. And the, there's going to be days that you don't want to do it and you will do those days and you'll get past it and it'll be all for the better. Get in your reps. Is get the, in your uh, reps. Yeah. I like exactly. that. Exactly. Uh, what are you up to now, sir? Um, so I have taken a step away from... Uh, the food industry uh, temporarily or adjacent um, and have moved into cannabis. So I left Tail Goat coming on almost a year ago now, which is bananas to think about. Um, and now work at what's called an I-71 compliant gift store. Um, it's all very DC with its acronyms and numbers, but basically this is the, the bill that allows us to gift cannabis. Um, we're an art gallery uh, called Legacy DC at the corner of 14th and U. Um, and basically, uh, I saw uh, cannabis. Nice. Yeah, which is pretty wild. Um, I always find that fascinating for the sake of, you know, tasting notes being an important, you know, part of the experience, like they are with wine. But uh, you're also, you know, delivering notes on the quality of the high. So you've got, like, indica, sativa, and so... You know, you kind of get drunk differently. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, uh, what kind of, like, do you want a tequila? or what, what kind of drunk are you trying to get? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you want to dance on a table or do you just want to yeah. pass out? Do you want to remember and, yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, but yeah, so it's, and the, you know, there is a lot of crossover between cannabis um, and wine in that it's incredibly, cannabis is very specifically terroir-driven because you're like, uh, you know, indoor stuff. You're, 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 you're basically creating this special environment. But um, there's... You know, these terpenes that you see in wine that you also see in cannabis that are, you know, crossing over. So you you get those volatile, you know, oils that you're like, oh, this smells like grape or, yeah. you know, I'm getting cookies off. It. You know, say, so you get a lot of those kind of like same like tasting notes, I say. Um, but yeah, then you're catering just like, do you want to be a little bit more energetic? Do you want something to kind of just clock out and not have to worry about anything? Smooth brain, no thoughts. Um, and it's, oh, is that a, is that a uh, that's a pitch? That's a fascinating. That's a, that's actually an Alex Clinton uh, term. Smooth oh, nice. brain, no thoughts. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's different. And there's a lot there's a lot to it that I find fascinating. The same way I find wine fascinating or mezcal fascinating is that you know so much does come to the maker, the grower, or whatever. Um, but yeah, and now I split my time. Uh, both smoking and drinking. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Um, uh, do you have any, you know, culinary adventures on the horizon? Um, culinary adventures. Uh, I am starting up a, just a kind of, uh, in the same vein as Pornburger, just a personal project to kind of keep me, uh, 
keep me curious. So uh, I'm starting a thing called uh, Weed Chef, like We Chef uh, in French, We, uh, but with a D. Oh, uh, so it sounds like Weed, yeah. but it's yeah, We yeah. Chef. Um, so I'm going to be uh, just kind of doing my cooking, but with weed. Um, and there's probably going to be some parties and events that come out of it. But. Uh, and they'll be highly entertaining. I appreciate it. Um, uh, uh, final question for you. What uh, other vermouths do you keep uh, you know, on the bar cart at home? Uh, so one, uh, at home right now, uh, I, only, I only have a, a, a different vermouth that, that I made at home. Um, I love making vermouths. Um, but... Uh, one of my first favorites was the autos that we had at, uh, yes. Goat, which, uh, do you want to tell? No, I mean, so what do you remember? <laughs> I just remember that one day we were doing Greek wines, uh, but you thought it'd be awesome to have this Greek vermouth, which is, it's an amazing vermouth. It's autos vermouth. Um, it's very much has like those, like you get like some of that kind of Greek herbaceous oregano, all, like, all the oregano all the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, but it's, it's brilliant. Um, but you, my understanding is that you bought, the whole DC supply, so that nobody uh, else I've been have known some. in moments of weakness to just like <laughs> commit to cases of things. Like at we time had a two-year supply yes. of autos at the restaurant yes. For, yes. for a hot second, yeah. uh, and I grew very fond of that. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear it still. I, I've had trouble tracking it down in the DC market. Is that a vintage bottle that you took from the restaurant once upon a time? Uh, yes. Yeah, oh yeah, wow! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, incidentally, vermouth will age. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good yeah. point. Yeah. Um, oh, brilliant, Matthew Ramsey. It's been. Uh, such a pleasure uh, thank to you host so much. you. Uh, thank you for all your help with this. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, it, it is an honor uh, to know you. And um, I'm hugely excited that you were our inaugural guest. It thank you. Hugely, it's... hugely fitting. Um, if you haven't already, please uh, uh, look for his cookbook, um, uh, Porn Burger. Um, that is still sold. Uh, it is still sold. We actually still we actually have it at the gallery at Legacy DC. So if you want to uh, assign copies, swing on by. Um, otherwise, you can find me on my Instagram, which is uh, literally just my name, Matthew Ramsey, Matthew with one T. Um, and then I'm starting up the Instagram, uh, Wee Weed Chef. You're good at this. Um, you, <laughs> uh, for the sake of the mammoths we enjoyed today, those will be available. Uh, across the street from the Line that. Hotel at Reveler's Hour, uh, which is a wine and pasta bar, but equally uh, a retail outlet. So uh, both the Bendara and uh, the Priorat Natur uh, that you heard us uh, you know, uh, wax poetic about today will be available uh, for sale there. Uh, Going to close things out for the sake of our first edition with, of uh, The Universe in a Glass with a bit of verse. Um, this is uh, a poem. I'm, uh, you know, love to celebrate all the things uh, that make, you know, drinking interesting, uh, both for the sake of the drinks in the glass, um, the poetry that is, you know, aromatized wine in this case, but also uh, the poems uh, that relate uh, to uh, these things. So this comes from uh, Anacreon, ancient Greek uh, uh, poet, uh, celebrated the cult of Dionysus and uh, the drinking life, uh, translation from Thomas More. Observe when Mother Earth is dry, she drinks the droppings of the sky, and then the dewy cordial gives to every thirsty plant that lives. The vapors which at evening weep are beverage to the swelling deep, and when the rosy sun appears, he drinks the ocean's misty tears. The moon, too, quaffs her palely stream of luster from the solar beam. Then hence, with all your sober thinking, since nature's holy law is drinking, I'll make the laws of nature mine and pledge the universe 
in wine. That's it. Uh, thanks again, uh, Mr. Ramsey. Uh, be well uh, to all of you uh, listening. Stay thirsty and uh, stay tuned for more The Universe in a Glass. <laughs>